welcome to the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me is the rookie, Mr. Chris Dashu. I only made enough money to get me through the day. It's not illegal if you do it that way, I've been told. That is, from what I understand, 100% true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's correct. We are talking on this episode about three of the classic Barney Miller episodes from season five. We're on episodes 19, 20, and 21. The Counterfeiter, which was directed by Maxwell Gale. I've heard that guy's name before. Does he, is he on this show? He might be. Oh, okay. Who does he play? Wojo <laughs> Howitz. Oh, interesting. Yes. It's spelled just like it sounds. Oh, I haven't had a. We haven't had a Polish name joke in like forever. It feels like, geez. I'm surprised. I was I was at Goodwill a couple weeks ago and I saw a Polish joke book and I bought it and I was reading through it and I was like, why was I? I I don't I I, I know I'm actually glad they don't do it in the show anymore because like is a Polish joke just like a a racist joke that could be replaced with anything? Like oh yeah, yeah. like. Oh, I, I don't like Italian. So, so how many guineas does it take to screw in a light bulb? Like one to hold it and three to rotate the guy. Like, I mean, it's same thing, right? But yeah, there should be more like bigotry in this show. I agree. <laughs> like those five guys making popcorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Written by Reinhold Ouija, Frank Dungan, and Jeff Stein. This one dropped February 8th. 1979 we also have the episode open house which dropped february 15th 1979 and identity which dropped march 1st 1979 those of course being directed by noam pitlick who other than max gale coming in late in this uh, season with some directing gigs he's our man for season five my gosh yeah, Gnome Pitlick just, I mean, again, we obviously know, thanks to Otto Bruno's book and just, again, doing research, how involved he was in the show. But 102 episodes. Jeez. Wow. That's so many. That's so many for a show that has, like, how many episodes? Like, a, uh, like 500? Oh, no, not yeah, that many, we- right? We we figured that out when we took this task on. I don't remember what our sentence is. God, uh, it's 171 episodes. Wow. But at least with this, it does not feel like a chore, especially with these three episodes. I felt like they're pretty strong. What was your opinion, Chris? Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, they all, at least the first one and the last one feel kind of samey. Like, again, it's like, and, you know, I mean, obviously the show's format can feel kind of stale from time to time because it's old people come into the precinct and then uh, what happens? I need you to do something. But likelihood is we're not going to leave and other people are going to come in. So, like, we know that that's the setup most of the time. I mean, there have been times where like, oh, somebody got shot at or somebody got shot or somebody's in the hospital. But most of the time, everything is so precinct bound that, like, they really have to change it up with the kinds of people that come in. Correct me if I'm wrong. Has a counterfeiter come in to the precinct yet? No. Somehow season five and we finally wow. had this. That's that was what I was driving at to this point. It's like it's surprising that they've gotten as far as they have almost to the end of the sixth season without having a money counterfeiter. And the character that they have is interesting. I mean, he he was uh, he made fake and fake fun, fake money. Like he's still you know, he's such an interesting and weird little character, obviously. And, oh, you know, yeah. Jay Pano I would read. Valley, so. I would read that uh, Reader's Digest story. That's for sure. 
right? <laughs> I I love that about Harris. He's like, this is the most interesting man I've ever met. <laughs> All right. Yeah, J. Pat O'Malley, who had been in this show, I think at least once before, and he's going to come back at least one more from what I remember. Um, yeah, season two, season five, season seven. So he, he's like a cicada. He just comes out every couple of years, does a Barney Miller, and then goes away. But you will remember, of course, Chris, that uh, he was a driver of one of the gumball rally cars. I was about to say, I, people my age should know him as the voice of half of everybody in all of the 60s Disney stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. Alice wow. in Wonderland, Jungle Book. And I mean, he does like a, a, a what one of the, the villain voice in 101 Dalmatians. He plays Jasper, right? The butler, uh, I think. Well, I don't know. Or I don't Jasper's not one of the butlers. It's one of the the two thieves. The Hunchman? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, man, like that. Yeah, he's he's just one of those like one of those character actors like yeah. who had a off screen and on screen presence. And he's great. But I mean, let's not kid ourselves. This e- episode has one of the best Harris and Luger interactions oh, where Luger yes. walks in covering his eyes. Guess who? Inspector. Yeah. Like, what <laughs> the fuck was that? Ah, I was just was I, I watched it like three or four times and be like, this has got to be ad libbed. Because Ron Glass like looks at him and he's like, Inspector. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, they have never had an interaction like this up until this point on the show. Mm-hmm. Probably never will again. I mean, Luger kind of has this blase attitude towards everybody else but Barney in the precinct. Like, you can kind of tell that it's not that he doesn't want to deal with them, but they're just kind of like there. I think he probably yeah. hates Dietrich. But that was such a weird interaction from the two of them. Like, so, but I liked it because it just felt so off the cuff. Well, it is so odd to think of the dread that we used to have when Luger would come to the precinct and now him coming back from his heart attack. So we've got some some, some overarching storyline. Right. I was surprised. What's that all about? And he comes in and everybody is so happy to see him. And he is so happy to see everyone. I mean, they're practically just crowding them and backslapping and it's like wow this is a, a luger i have really gotten used to and i was so happy now when he showed up in this episode and he's he's really good i think the kind of the gags with him maybe overstay their welcome a little bit but i'm glad to see him back obviously yeah. you know it's weird that the show has like carryover storytelling it's not been something that the show's necessarily been uh interested in doing i mean to be fair well that's the thing i would say like to be fair yamana was written off the show but he wasn't no no like they they i I keep thinking back to that because uh you know it's one of those things where when you think about previous episodes of this show and you have to listen to them um or you do listen to them you'll notice that we talk about that you know we talked a lot on that episode the jack sue episode where he was like he could have left and right. like now it really feels like such a missed opportunity because I think we're I mean, we're one episode away, but he's passed away at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think he I think it was pretty quick between when he recorded his last episode and when he passed away. And then it was probably a little bit of time for these guys until this final episode of season five aired. Right. And that's and that's my thing. It's like I. I I feel like the presence of Yamana is really missed. And I feel like the show did fumble writing him out of it because they did know he was sick. 
Because they, I mean, I guess, did they uh, correct me if I'm wrong or remind me because my memory is not serving me well at the moment. How did they, how did they deal with Chano? Did he go away? They haven't. No. Remember we, he, uh, his name came up like a throwaway line. Yeah. Like just in our last episode. Okay. That's what I thought. I was like, did they they, like mention him? Right. Like, okay. Okay. Which was bizarre. And it was bizarre in this one when it starts with Wojo complaining about Yamana and his, his shitty uh, filing system. Well, and also like, I want to point out what, since when do Barney and Wojo have that, that relationship? Like what the fuck was going on in this episode? Because Barney's like, Hey, how's it going on a Monday morning, Wojo? And he just like blows a raspberry at him. Right. Like what? So weird. I don't. Yeah. It would like some of the interactions with the characters in this episode are strange. They're, They're out of character. I mean, they're not bad, but it's just like, do you know who these characters you're writing for are Jeff Stein and Frank Duggan? Because I don't think Dungan, I don't think you do. Like, I don't, it's very, they were being a little bit more, I don't know, like loose with one another than they yeah, normally are. Yeah. Looser as looser as characters. Right. And I'm not saying that they're all stodgy, but they're not this like loose with one another and kind of like hamming it up. They're like, I don't know, they're halfway to corpsing. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they are like that interaction between Ron Glass and James Gregory is weird. Like, it's good, but it, it does stand out as like, what? Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of this whole, at least it, the whole first part of the episode very feels very just like tonally strange. Well, the, I'm trying to remember because Levitt is in all of these this week, and I'm trying to remember if this is the one where he keeps trying to have a conversation with Barney and he doesn't, and then he never ends up having that conversation. Uh, I but, think it is. Yeah. Okay. That was just strange. I mean, really, there is, there's so much discussion of the actual characters that we only, I think we only have an A and a B story in here. We've got right, the return right. of Mr. Becker, who we've seen several times on the show. And the running gag is how often he gets robbed. And constantly, time, folks, constantly. Right. Oh, wait, is this? No, he, sorry, Becker. Sorry, I'm mixing up episodes. Becker is the one that brings in the phony money. And then he gets very angry when he's not paid for being a good citizen. You're telling me that I lose the money that th- that I gave you? Yes, that's right. how it works. Yes. Yeah. So then he's just like, well, I should have just passed it off to some other schmo. And yeah, I think Dietrich has a, a good line about how uh, there's you know no just rewards for anything. But of course, he says it in a much more flowery way. Well, and then to your point, the B storyline is the husband who is upset that his wife has gotten plastic surgery. And right. it's not much of a storyline. No, it's kind of dumb, frankly. Yeah, it, well, it it the the word I would use is it hasn't aged well. It's just like, ooh, like your wife went and got plastic surgery. Like, what a what a weird thing to care about. Like, he went oh, to the yeah. cops about it. Like, well, I guess he well, didn't no, go to the he, cops for her. No, he, he went to the cops for the doctor who did it, who disfigured his wife, quote unquote. No, he they got pulled in because they were having a fight. Mm, oh, okay. Yeah. I, wait, I thought he was lamp. Okay, but it was because he was mad because he thought he disfigured his wife, right? Exactly. Right. Which is like, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was an episode similar to this that wasn't there something else? Oh, it was the it was the guy who was mad that his wife was following like the guru, right? Or no? Right. I Though think there you're was, right. But there was also one where it was wasn't was it Doris Roberts was the one that was in trouble or she was the one that was upset? But there was another one 
And then there was the one with the guy with the gold as well. Like right. they done, they do and this a lot. Back. Yeah. yeah. And they do this a lot in the show where it's like, oh, we're going to have like a spouse come in and the other spouse has been taken in by something or someone. So right. it feels like old trodden ground. Yeah. Yeah. Barney S. Marriage Counselor is kind of a, an odd position for him to be in, but he does that well because he's all about this mediation kind of stuff. Right. At, and I think it's in a later episode that we're going to talk where Dietrich does the, I did the old so-and-so routine, which is one of Barney's specialties. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Dietrich in this episode, um, kind of, kind of just hanging out, making jokes again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Luger, not... Luger gets a little frustrated with him, upstaging Definitely. him, stealing his thunder. Yes. Yes. <laughs> At least uh, Dietrich doesn't say agonist. Like God, uh, Luger does. God, what was that about, man? Going back to Levitt real quick, I just remembered like there's a weird close up of him for a while where he's making a face. And that was what really set me off because I'm just like, okay, he really wants to talk to Barney, but then it just never resolved, I think, in the episode. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That is that is this episode. Ugh. This is uh these are some pretty Levitt heavy episodes. Yeah, uh, at least the net now. Well, yeah, the next two. I mean, this one is the this is the lightest of the three with Levitt because he right. is front and center in a lot of ways in the last episode. And then he's a constant present in the next presence in the next one. Um, This uh, appearance here of the upset husband. I love Jack Riley. I forgot that he was in the. Oh, gosh. What was the earlier one that he was in? He was in a really good episode um, I think he just was part of a crowd, basically. It might have been like a whole apartment building was complaining about something. Sure. But I was so taken aback by him having light hair. I'm so used to the character he played in um, a Bob Newhart show, where his hair was like pretty much jet black. Or sure. at least that's my memory of it. And then he's super blonde in this one. I remember him as the, uh, he's one of the soldiers in. Uh, oh, yeah, in, history in, of the world. Right in the chariot behind them when they're uh, when they light the giant joint. We've yes. got to, got to, got to get grooving. <laughs> <laughs> I fuck. I that I know that's not everybody's favorite Mel Brooks movie, but I love that movie. Hey, there's some great parts to it. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's also in space. space. Oh, also that, but he's also in Spaceballs. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure you're right. I think he worked pretty regularly with with uh, Mel Brooks. Wow, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, if I could. Yeah, right. Steady yeah. paycheck and yeah. a pretty fun job. And Mel Brooks. Exactly. Well, weren't I mean a lot of the dudes in this show were in I mean oh, yeah. I mean Ron Carey, mm-hmm. right? I oh, mean yeah. he's um, he worked a few times with Brooks. Right, because he's in history of the world as well. And then yep. I isn't it Landisburg ever I feel like Landisburg had to have, right? Or no? I don't know. You know, that's the thing. Like there are certain actors where I remember them a lot after they did the mm. thing that they were famous for like um well gopher from uh love boat became a senator but i'm thinking of like the doc from um the love boat he showed up constantly in other things and but every time i saw him of course my first thought was oh doc okay you know I'm what look, 
But Steve Landisberg is in randomly that I now think about fucking he's in forgetting Sarah Marshall as Jason Siegel's doctor at the beginning That's of that movie. Right. So wow. weird. Like, and I haven't seen that movie in the longest time, but now if I visualize that scene, it's totally Steve, like old Steve Landisberg. Yeah. Just like hanging wow. out. It's yeah. It's, it's weird. Cause like seeing these actors out of context of this show, it like, it, I don't know. Like I feel like I've spent so much time with them. It's like David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson. It's like, I can't really see you doing anything else. Like it's, there's such distinct characters, even with someone like Ron Carey, who Levitt, you know, come around on Richard. Mm -hmm. If you're listening, God, we'll we'll never live that down. I mean, we, we couldn't not like him because what we're going to do suffer through another three seasons of this. I fucking hate this guy. It's terrible. Like, come on guys. We're not, we're not that bad. Right. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Poor uh, Susan Davis as Lisa Lovell, who they eventually take off her dark glasses and that she's got all that eye makeup, you know, or, you know, supposedly bruising around her eyes. Right. What a thankless role she had in this. Yeah. Given about absolutely nothing to do. Just, yeah. you know, ha- look, just have two black eyes. Yeah. Because I guess that, that's what a nose job, right? Is that what that I'm- is? That That's what that is, right? I think so. Yeah. Plus she had the bandage across her nose, like um, Ellie Gould in uh, (laughs) California split. Right. I just always, I always think about like, that's yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the nose job thing is for whatever reason, like they break your nose, Mm -hmm. which sounds awful. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And really other than that, I mean, like I said, we have uh, uh, Harris really going nuts over the counterfeiter. Once he comes in, it's a pretty good surprise like the when they brought up at the beginning that the counterfeiter was paying for staples like bread and milk and eggs and things like that i was just like okay that's that might be some sort of like somebody that gives counterfeit money to homeless people right and they you know buy the staples or to to underserved people but yeah i was very surprised when it ended up being our, our old friend the old brit uh shambling in here and then yeah harris just really excited to speak with this guy with, you know, dollar signs in his eyes of selling his story. Well, and they keep pushing that with Harris too. And that's like, it's, it's becoming very apparent that, that this is another overarching storyline that we're going to be seeing. That's going to reoccur because again, like, which I'm perfectly fine with because it's not, it's not, it's not been a quote complaint unquote, but it has been something where it's like, well, I would prefer if there was at least some of that. And it's clear that that is where this is going. And I don't know if this is what happens, but I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this end of this show, Harris is an author, like, or like writing, like, like Michael Connolly style where he's like writing like cop books. Like I would, and like makes perfect sense. Like perfect sense. I think it's called blood on the badge. Oh my God. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's it definitely great. fits very well. Yeah. And then what is the thing at the end of this? So, so Luger comes in, he's talking about agonists and that he's thinking about popping the question to her. And then he comes in later on and it seems like he's drunk and he's singing, I'm getting married in the morning from my fair lady, but he's not drunk. Right. He, it was his medication. I don't. Yeah. I, it, it, they, they don't make it clear. Like he, there's like something wrong with him. Cause right. he's like, Oh my money, my heart. And it's like your heart. What? Like, right. Like you had a heart attack. So like, 
Yeah. Like, yeah, your heart. But like, I don't, yeah, it's super, I don't know. Like it was weird. Cause the, I, if I felt like him getting married, got lost in the shuffle or him having a heart attack, got lost in the shuffle of him having right. a, a fiance. Cause like that kind of comes out of nowhere. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm still engaged. It's like, wait, wait, what, what? Aren't did you also yeah. just have a heart attack? Like, yeah, I, it's, you know, Luger was good for the jokes, but I feel like his storyline, like I said, it just kind of went in circles. Like it mm-hmm. didn't, it didn't feel like it had a lot of purpose and, but yet they were trying to like further him along as a character. Clearly. Well, he even gets the last line of the episode, I think, which is talking about how he told Agonist to be at the precinct at six o'clock. It sounds like Barney's going to do some marriage counseling for them. It sounds like. Right. Well, yeah, Barney, uh, I, I'm in, I, I mean, I know that, you know, on, in the next episode, we're going to talk about Barney and the Barney and the will they won't they apparently, oh, uh, but yeah, 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 I don't, I mean, hmm. didn't Otto let the cat out of the bag that they actually never end up divorcing and, and they just, Liz just goes away and you, I think you might see her like in the finale or something. Yeah. But I kind of forgot. Yeah, yeah, because I was following the storyline of the of the, the the series as well, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, he he and Liz are going to get back together, and then they do. Yeah, and that's all they wrote. Yeah, on that next episode, we were talking about uh, open house, right? And uh, again, well, this one seems to have a, a little bit more um, stories going on uh, than the previous one, um, but really, so much of this is. Well, it's two things. It's this idea of having an open house for the neighborhood, which just seems weird, especially because we know they're on like an upper floor. Right. So I don't know why it's not just the the uniforms downstairs that are doing this. Talk about um, that for a second. So yeah. this is a weird thing. They always show the door, right? And then there's a stairwell. Yeah. Did they not tell everybody to walk out the door to the right? As opposed to out the door to the left, because why are they walking out the door? I know this is like a cinema sense thing, but like it's weird because everybody keeps doing it. I'm trying to figure out spatially what's going on in like this building. So mm. they're on the second. They're on not the first floor. Right. So you have to go upstairs to get to them. Okay. So they're they're in a building that's tall enough to have an elevator. Then I don't think they have an elevator. I so think what that- are people walking to the left for then when they exit the precinct? Wouldn't they walk to the right? And you're down the, the stairs? Main, you're talking about the main entrance, right? Right. That door that everybody walks through. You see like a stairwell going down and people always go, well, it depends. Like in this episode, the three homeless gentlemen go to the left. That's like, but aren't they leaving? Like, it's just, it was something I noticed. And like, again, mm-hmm. I wouldn't notice it if not for the fact that there's this giant stairwell in the background. Wow. You know, I've never really thought about that. I've always had in my head that if you left the office and you went to the, you could go straight across and there'd be another door and then another area inside of that. Or if you didn't go straight across, you could come out and go to the left and there would be a stairwell right there going down. That's really odd. Yeah, it's just like something I noticed. Again, I think I noticed it in this episode because there were like a lot of, there was a lot of foot traffic in and out of the precinct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I'm curious as far as was it just, you know, we are off stage now and you just go whichever way you want to go. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's which which again, like it doesn't break it for me, but it's like if I if I were them or someone, I mean, if I were Danny Arnold, who apparently was ran a fucking tight ship, I'd be like, you always go to the right. Like, 
So again, maybe that's not the case, but it was just weird because like, where are they going? So just wanted to ruin the show for everybody once again, because I'm the person who notices shit that nobody else noticed in 50 fucking years, apparently. <laughs> that's what it feels like. Like it's, It was just like a weird thing I kept noticing in this episode specifically. Uh, that and the fact that young Chris Lloyd looks like Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of reminded me of, friend, of a friend of mine, so I don't know about Dahmer, but yeah. <laughs> I was so happy when Christopher Lloyd showed up in this. Oh, and oh, sorry, before we move into that, I'm just going to put this out there to the Bernie Miller fan community. Where's the 3D models? You know, I've, <laughs> I've gone through the Overlook Hotel. I want to go through the entire 12th precinct. So just let's let's see that. Anyway, yeah, great to see Christopher Lloyd. He's kind of a surprise in this because he's one of... So really, we've got the storyline of... Barney kind of getting back together with Liz. That's just like very slight inside of there. But then you've got more the whole idea of him having paid for this apartment and paid in advance. And so then when he leaves the apartment, he thinks he's going to get the rest of the rent back for the month. I mean, does Barney, Barney is very out of touch if he thinks that he would get the money back. I mean, landlords are not going to give you any money ever. I mean, I'm surprised they're not just like, oh, your security deposit? Yeah, that's gone too. Yeah, it was super weird because he's like, oh, I don't know. I paid ahead. And it's like, they're not going to refund you. No. Well, no. is it a, is it an apartment or is it a, is it a hotel? I thought it's it was like a one hotel of those, like, first. Isn't it one I of those had, like pay for hotels? Like That's what I thought. Like a weekly rate, $79 plus kitchenette, you know, something like that. Right. But I, yeah, I, uh, I thought I heard hotel at first, and then later I thought it was apartment. So, yeah, I mean, if I were him, well, depending on how it looks with Liz, it's just really if there's a chance you get the hotel. If you're, you know, if you're, if not, you're going to find a month to month or sign a year lease and take your chances. It makes more sense that it's a hotel because a hotel yeah. would not give you your money back. Right. Like, right. Well, not uh, with an apartment though. Yeah. Well, I mean, they might, I mean, it depends. I feel like an apartment. Well, it's New York though. So yeah, yeah it's New like, York. Fuck you. <laughs> it's and, the seventies. Yeah. This is Lynch Lynch, the landlord time here. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. 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 That's fair. But I, I, okay. So like you said, we knew Otto said, Hey, you know, Barney and his wife are going to get back together. That's going to happen. You know, just understand that. I, I, I guess I should have just assumed it was going to be this yeah. something really banal, mm -hmm. a phone call. I mean, we knew we weren't seeing her, but it's like, I'm getting back together with Liz. And it's like, nobody cares. Right. What does right. this have to do with anything? Which is so funny because most of the time we're like, like salivating for details of people outside of the precinct. But with this one, it's just like, mm -hmm, don't care. Yeah, you right. got your suits. Must be nice to be able to carry your entire wardrobe in one hand. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just bizarre to me because I was like, well, here's the thing. Barney and Liz haven't been together and that hasn't really affected the story. No. And now they're going to be back together. And it's not going to affect the story. Like it affected the story in as much as they had to take time out of telling any other story for the show to cut away to these like side plots. Cause they've never been the main plot of any of these episodes. The like Barney's marital stuff has never been the focus like Wojo's. They, you know what? Let's let me just fucking float this out there. Why the fuck was Wojo's girl a two-part episode when Barney is the one who actually has a relationship that maybe the audience might care about. Well, remember, Otto was saying that that was a pilot. 
I, I know, but like, I mean, again, like I know that it but was yes, a pilot, yes. but my question still stands. Like, why not give Barney two episodes to deal with the Liz stuff and then be done, done with it. And then the audience never has to worry about that character coming back. Yeah. Well, I mean, their situation is as serious as merits the lack of jokes in Wojo's girl, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. 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 It, this one, this episode, they have, um, because it's odd because there's definitely a lot of Harrison Dietrich in the next episode, but in this one, there's a lot of Harris just having a real hard time being around Dietrich. Like anytime right. Dietrich comes any place and starts to talk, Harris just right out of there, really showing just his distaste for Dietrich. Right. Which but I have to say, Dietrich's pretty obnoxious in this episode. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I feel like we find him entertaining, but if that were like a real person in your real life, you wouldn't. Oh, boy. Yeah. Right? Like, you yeah. just, someone who is like constantly everywhere all the time telling you how smart he is, like, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. There's There's a real missed joke in this episode because uh one of our bigger storylines is this whole thing about this arsonist there's a doctor who is has a patient and is uh you know the the patient is this arsonist and we talked about how the patient is christopher lloyd the doctor himself i'm trying to remember uh it is alan miller alan miller who i have seen a million times but did not pick up on his face. I don't know what was going on, if it was the beard or what. Most of the time, I remember him with a mustache or clean shaven, but the beard just threw me off, man. He's pretty good. I I, I do like oh, that interaction great. between him and Dietrich at the end where he's like, you could be a good psychiatrist if you just had the patience. And he's like, later. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's that's the joke. I was waiting for him to say, I don't have any patience. I was and waiting for that too. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Okay. I, now I know what you were driving at. Yeah. They went yeah. one way with the joke that I was expecting them to go the other way with. Right. And I don't think that the way they went was as funny as the way that was in our head. No. Patience, not patience. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, Dietrich is a bit much in this episode, but I think it, it kind of has to be that way for the next episode to work. Yeah. I think you're right, which is great that, you know, we are really having these arcs here. We are not just one and done with this stuff. I mean, this show is very interesting. I think it started off more one and done with each episode, but has really started to grow into these. What are the relationships? Who are these people? Who are the people in your neighborhood to quote Sesame Street? Because you do get these recurring people coming back. Like, I know we, you know, we just saw Christopher Lloyd just a few episodes ago. and. Okay, he was not Vincent Carew, uh, but we are getting more and more of these people that show up. Like, uh, again, John Dullighan is in this, and we just saw him a few episodes ago, but unfortunately, he was a different character. I like him as Ray, the homeless guy, a lot. Yeah, no, he's he's really good. He's he's really good. Also uh, was in a little show called Mrs. Columbo. Oh, yeah. Was in an episode of that nightmare. Uh, He's great. He's great. He's really good. He's got a great face. He looks, he looks like a, he looks like a great, he looks like a great homeless person. Like him and the rest of those dudes, Carmen uh, Philpy and Dave, Dave, David Fresco, like they look like homeless guys, proper homeless guys. 
Herman Philby, I mean, for me, his most famous role is playing a homeless guy. He's the guy in the uh, the train with Pee Wee uh, singing oh, Jimmy Crack Corn. <laughs> right, right, right. I didn't realize, too, that he's the guy in uh, Beetlejuice who says, how do I look? Oh, I'm feeling a little flat, and he's run over by a car. Right. Oh, the dude in the the dude in the the dude in the uh, the underworld, like the the paper guy, right? Right. The mess. I guess he's like the messenger, the guy who's like on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they shoot him down the line. Yeah, exactly. Oh wow. He's yeah. yeah, He's he just has that great hangdog expression. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. What what a face this guy has. Mm -hmm. I mean. Gosh, this whole show is great for faces. And like, even with, you know, Christopher Lloyd looking very different than he does now. I mean, he was on the Mandalorian just like a couple weeks ago and here he is showing up so many years before. And I love, he's just basically giving like all of these speeches when he shows up and just talking about his past and injecting his past into everything. Like, Oh, why, why did they say this? And you know, just, it's so great. I mean, I feel like for me, Chris Lloyd is at his best when they just oh. let him go. Yes. And like he has, I don't know, he has like a certain kind of energy that I feel like is best untampered with, if that makes sense. I don't know. Like there's there's a reason why things like Back to the Future are remembered so fondly. And one oh, of them yeah. is obviously Michael J. Fox and just the movie, but also like Christopher Lloyd brings a weird a weird energy to that character that only like he is one in like he, he is indistinguishable from his character of Doc Brown as far as I'm concerned. Like yeah. he always has that energy and it it works. It, it kind of always works because it's just he is a very good actor. One of the I mean one of the best actors, frankly. Like yeah. fucking since 75, man. Like since one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we should probably talk about Father Malone's show where he talks about uh, Taxi. Right. Which is the show that he more or less cut his teeth on. Like, he was a main part of that show, right? Yeah. Yeah. Though I, if, gosh, I got to go back and listen to uh, um, Father Malone's podcast and watch those episodes because I don't think he was as prominent at first. And I think it was one of those, oh, this guy really works. But oh, I could be okay. completely wrong about that. He's only in 84 of the 114 episodes. So huh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's a show I have not seen. I mean, similar to this show. It's, and I mean, coming out at the same time, similar vibe. Kind of surprising that this show and that show never had a crossover. Oh, that would be something. Well, I mean, they're both taking place in New York in the late 70s, early 80s, right? I mean, at some point, wouldn't Chris Lloyd have been like, on this show, probably going to work on taxi. Like, wouldn't it have Possibly. been right? Like, yeah. But in this, he's so clean cut. And then you look at Jim Ignatowski and his hair is just always in disarray. And right. Right. Has that stunned look on his face. Whereas this character is like the super clean cut upstanding guy who didn't even what he asked a woman on a date, didn't get the date, but he asked the woman on the date and you know, the, the psychiatrist is like, you're making progress. He's, he is a, he is a uh, stereotypical neurotic. Oh, that yeah. is also an arson arsonist. Like he it, it's, it's very similar to the character he already played on this show, but instead of being kind of like, I don't know. I, I rate cause he was, irate with Barney as oh, that yeah. character. This one, he's just kind of like seemingly irate with himself. That's right. He was the vandal, wasn't he? Yeah. Cause he was the one yeah. that was like, you know, I lost everything because you gave me like a parking ticket or something. Right. right? You I ruined, you job. ruined my life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was all that, but that was 
But that was more irate. Here he's just like very calm and angry with himself that he was, you know, unable to withstand his urges to light shit on fire, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And and properly angry with his therapist for breaking patient uh, uh, confidentiality. But to Barney's point, there were people in danger by all of these fires. So he had every right. I think within the AMA guidelines, he was in the right. But the question I have for you is, would you be eating pate out of a fucking can that Levitt bought oh. from some goddamn bodega, sir? Because you know I wouldn't. And he doesn't even know what foie gras is. And I'm just like, Ooh, yeah. Well, he didn't know what pate is. And then Dietrich went into the foie gras stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> I love the way Dietrich says foie gras. Pate de foie gras. Yes. yes. <laughs> like, what? Hey, uh, that is not that line. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He's so good. <laughs> Even though he was a little much in this, he was yeah. he's always so good. I mean, but here's the thing. And we haven't really mentioned him a whole lot in this episode. Levitt is in this episode and he's pretty good as well. Yeah. Him setting up that uh, banquet. And really that's the, 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 some of the best jokes of this is just that it is uh, this open house that no one is showing up for. And then Ray, this homeless guy, walks in, very out of it kind of guy, kind of reminded me of Ignatowski a, a bit. But uh, yeah, just once he finds out that there's this free food sitting out there and how long they're open and all this, he goes back out and gets two of his buddies. And then they come in and they just start grazing on that. And I'm glad like Levitt like snatched some food away at first but I'm glad he wasn't just like oh get these homeless guys out of here so the show is pretty progressive oh yeah yeah well then especially when Barney he's still so mad at that apartment slash hotel manager that he just is like oh here you go guys here's the key to this apartment it's it's uh free for the rest of the month and I'm like what kind of damage are these three homeless guys? And who knows? It's probably going to be way more than three by the end of it. What kind of damage are they going to do to this place? I mean, is Ugh. it going to be like a hoarder's house kind of thing? Like bags, grocery bags filled with feces or something? What's happening? I uh, I more envisioned like uh, scenes out of It's Always Sunny where they're like, uh, there were three homeless people blowing each other in the back of my car that I left on the street and they broke into. <laughs> I was just like, that's more what was probably going to happen. Just Homeless people just fornicating, which is fine. Who gives a shit? Don't do it on the street. Do it in a hotel room. Is that that like a special kind of lemon party? You know, (laughs) a levit party. (laughs) (laughs) They all have to be short men, though, and look like Ron Carey. (laughs) Oh, very easy. We need to to buy that website, (laughs) levitparty.com. If you know what, like, I don't even want to explain what the reference is in reference to because it is so hilarious. I just want someone to have to go look up what Lemon Party is. So, yeah, enjoy all of you who go and look it up, and you're welcome in advance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that's what I imagine. That was because, again, like, Always Sunny makes that joke in there, like, Hunt hunt the Homeless episode. That was one of the reasons because they were like yeah my car got broken into and they were like homeless dudes blowing each other in it so yeah i mean it's funny but at the same time like barney i hope i hope you paid in cash (laughs) because otherwise like you're about to be on the hook for a hotel room that gets trashed by three guys who don't care (laughs) yeah oh boy we'll be back next year i bet you will (laughs) i'm glad that our minds all go to just how much they're going to destroy this place rather than oh, these nice homeless men are going to come in and they'll put on the bathrobes and, you know, have some champagne. Or something. Like trying to think of some sort of like, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy type situation. In right. Cop. Yeah. 
I well, and that's the other thing. It's like at the end of the episode, everybody's like, I would have done the same thing, Barney. And it's like, why? (laughs) Like I the altruism I understand, but like it feels like Barney's making that decision out of altruism. And then everybody else in the precinct is like, you were fucking doing that to trash that room. And he's like, despite. Yeah, well, he doesn't outright say it either. We get that shot of uh, Harris eating pate out of a can. Yeah, Yeah, I don't I just don't feel like he would do that. I like, don't think so either. I mean, I was not surprised when I saw Wojo stuff in his face at first. And I'm like, okay, that makes total sense. But yeah, Ron Carey, uh, Harris eating pate out of a can. No, no, doesn't jive with the character. I mean, if it was caviar, caviar in a can is, you know, I don't think that they pack that any other way unless it's, you know, wrap it in a banana leaf and hand deliver it or something. But. <laughs> How do you think people eat? What? <laughs> uh, yes, that is. Yes, that is how people eat caviar. Wrapped yeah, in a banana. Yeah. Like a small a Malaysian child rice. just walking up to you. and yes, yes. <laughs> Not, They got a whole pile of banana leaves. They got all of these uh, sturgeon and they just, yep, transfer. Where are you traveling in the world that they're doing this? Russia. Oh, okay. Deepest, darkest Russia. Uh, yeah, where there's yeah. jungles in Russia where they have all the banana leaves. The tropics of Russia. Got yes. it. Okay. Russia has many climates, my friend. Apparently. Yes. Yeah. God. Yeah, no, our, our minds did go to the same place of the homeless, okay, homeless men destroying that room because that was what was going to happen. Like, Barney, what are you kidding yourself? Like, mm-hmm. Hey, whatever. He's going back to Liz. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got my suits in a bag and I'm all set. Great. So with the next episode, identity, another one where I, you know, like I usually break these things down by the ABC stories. It feels like there's just kind of like an A and a B and not too much of a C. So again, though, I, I like this episode and I think this might be the strongest. And I think a lot of that falls on Don Kelfa. And uh, David Clennon. I agree. I mean, ugh, Don Kalfa. I mean, come on, right? Like, he's so good. Well, he's and that's so the, good. I mean, he's kind of always good. I mean, he's in my favorite zombie movie, Return of the Living Dead, but he is, what, second time on the show or third now? Well, he was one of the two guys that actually held the right, I remember recent that. hostage. Yep. And I'm trying to, it feels, I your math feels right. It feels like he was in here one earlier time uh but he really is the star of the show in this one yeah well they just were like hey do whatever you want like like let like they just let him do his thing and he's great he's gonna show Uh, up five more times yeah so yes season three season four was in two episodes in season four so he has been on here three times before this so he, okay. would you say five more after three this? more three more. three more okay yeah i didn't realize how many times he's been on it up until this point yeah. he's been on it more times than i remember exactly so yeah his fourth appearance here wow. and um yeah uh doing a great job and of course as soon as he shows up you're just like all right this guy is way too nervous and i was just wondering okay what is this guy's secret because you know he's sitting on something and then he starts to to spout all this stuff about how he lives in north dakota and i'm like this guy lives in north dakota you don't miss your flight to billings sinks to high heaven if you miss your flight to billings man there's not another one for a while (laughs) like what the hell are you talking about 
I thought he had maybe like cocaine up his ass or something. I was just like, why is he so nervous and has to make this plane? Well, why? Because, uh, well, David Clennon will tell you why. <laughs> David Clennon looking a lot more um, like he's going to look in the thing than we've seen him look before. Because he's shown up on this show multiple times as well. He He was the guru from one of those episodes, I think. Well, didn't he, wasn't he also playing this character at one point as well? Like he's already played this character at one point. I'm, if memory serves me right. Hmm. No, like I I thought he's played like a lawyer at one other point on this show. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because the same thing happened uh, the last time. Cause I think I was like, is that Clifton Young? No, no, that's not Clifton Young. Who is that? And then I'm like, oh yeah, it's the, one of my favorite characters from the thing, the guy who, uh, Palmer, who's just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> He's great here. I mean, I He's think, every, so I think everybody good. in this episode's great. Again, it's just the storyline. We've seen it before. Yeah. 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 But I feel like that's like that is the case now with this show. It's like the 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 formula. It's kind of hard to deviate from the formula too far. Wow. So he was on two episodes in season three. They were only like a month apart. He was Bada Vista, so he was the guru. Jeffrey Stevens, uh, Justice Department. This is season five. Okay, yeah, no, this is unless Jeffrey Stevens was like a government guy. Um, because then he just plays this Justice Department counsel, Chester Monahan in this episode, Howard Spear and Howard Weckler. Oh, they liked him as a Howard, apparently. So. I must be remembering someone else playing this kind of character. There's already been, there's already yeah. been like a Justice Department guy on this show before. Yeah, there definitely has been. I mean, even with the UFO episode that we watched not too long ago, there was right. a guy who comes in and it's just like, I can neither confirm nor deny, you know. <laughs> right. It, I, I I like Don Kalfa in this episode, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, but obviously, like, yeah, they kind of give him free reign, which I appreciate because he obviously makes the most of it. He's great. And he's got that look. I mean, he's got oh, yeah. that look. And I love, you know, that was the other thing that doesn't really pay off is at one point, Barney's like, you know, where are you from? Like, it feels like Barney recognizes him. So I was like, oh, is this going to be somebody that Barney arrested a long time ago? And I was waiting for him to like run prints or go to like a bigger database right. of, you know, and then it made sense when when it was, oh, he testified. But I don't know why he's back in New York other than just to get away from Billings. Well, I mean, seems like a good enough reason to me. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds like, and this is just me, again, conjecturing about you know the layout of the 12th Precinct. I'm thinking that he testified in a mob case because right. of the way that he's just like, you have to call this number. Because people don't act like that unless they know that the mafia is after them. And at the same time, why are you back in New York? Did you come back to get like a blintz or something that you couldn't get in Billings? Like, of course, you know, what is it? You order uh, ketchup. Egg noodles with ketchup. That's what yeah, I was going to say. I was thinking the same exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, he's only a couple states away. Right. Yeah. He, he could easily come on out here to New York. And again, I don't know where he's getting the money, but come on out here to New York. Get your, you know. Your, your fresh bagels and then fly on back to Billings and, oh no, I'm, I'm going to rob this place. And that's where, you know, I talked about 
I was mixing up uh, the earlier gentleman with Mr. Cotterman. He's the guy who has been robbed five times. That's who it is. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we've got a recurring character with him as well. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, it feels like the precinct is full of people being robbed all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, it's almost like they're not doing their job very well. I don't know. Like you would think that if they were doing their job better, there wouldn't be people uh, getting robbed all the time. You would think. Yeah. And it's like store owners, too. It's not like people on the streets, like store owners getting robbed by like weird constantly by weirdos. I think what we're realizing here is these dudes are really bad cops. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. They're not. They're just bored desk detectives. Like exactly. Yeah. There was another gentleman who wrote to us uh, actually on our Facebook group. And I always forget because I don't tend to look at our Barney Miller Facebook group very often often and but he was saying that i think he's he was a cop or is a cop and said same thing that dennis farina said that this is the most true to life police uh series that there is out there and i'm like okay i'm glad that checks out man you know and i'd rather have you know we, we're watching law and order and all these kind of things you know castle just these cops are always going out and you know having these chases and shooting in streets and all this kind of stuff i'd rather have them hugging a desk and just occasionally go out when there's a call and you know it's it you know like like this person on facebook mentions and dennis farina gets to it as well like the cops aren't always just doing stuff right right They're, they have to be there has to be time to file paperwork and do other things like that like and have open houses yeah, yeah. right <laughs> i don't think that's a thing but sure sure I do like how uh, Dietrich saves Harris's life. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, it makes sense now why the last episode was the way that it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then just the way that Harris is desperate to pay back Dietrich. He does not want Dietrich holding anything over him because he despises this man. And it's like, oh, how about I give you money? How about I give you this? You know, how, oh, I've, I've got tickets to the theater. I've got this. I've got, you know, it's just, yeah. And and finally ends up giving him what? Uh, check for a hundred bucks. And yeah. I like the the timing on that joke. We're just like, when, as soon as uh, Harris is like, name your price, hundred dollars. <laughs> but then he goes and flushes it. Yeah. Yeah. Or does he? Or does he? My assumption is he does, right? Like, yeah. Because then it's doubly hanging over his head. Right. Triple, I guess. Quadruple. I don't know. Yep. Well, you know, if you save the, I don't understand that Chinese proverb about if you save a person's life, you're responsible for them forever. I would, I don't want that on me. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Now, if it was the other person, if I saved your life, Chris. And oh. I would think you should be responsible for mine for the oh. rest of my life because I'm the guy that saved. I mean, that could but, make sense. But I don't want to be responsible for you for the because you're you're dumb enough. You fell into that river. I'm not going to fish you out every single time. <laughs> After the third time, Chris, you're on your own. It's fair. It's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, hey, next time Dietrich, uh, next time Dietrich and Harris are out and somebody points a gun at Harris, Dietrich's just going to turn around and let him get shot, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What would you prefer? (laughs) Bang. Oops. Sorry. I didn't save you. God. What? Yeah. It's, it's such a strange conceit because like it wouldn't be played off for laughs. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like realistically, it's like I almost right. died today. <laughs> like I would be very upset. I would be just like, oh my god, like the adrenaline, all right. of that. Oh that yeah, been going on. Yeah, yeah, Oof. man. I, I I can attest to you know almost hitting a, an animal going eighty miles an hour. You oh Jesus, it takes some time to kind of cool off let the adrenaline kind of burn out so yeah mm-hmm. no he's just like uh, let me pay you and it's like bro like that would not be what you would be worried about right now you'd be worried about right. pretty much anything else frankly but hey you know it's fine i like that we get the payoff from last episode in this episode i do yeah. appreciate that because now it makes sense why harris was so much last episode or i guess why harris felt dietrich was so much last episode well and then when it comes to the levitt thing in this episode i I almost thought that this was the conversation that he wanted to have with Barney two episodes ago. I mean, that's what mm. happens when we're watching these three in a row. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, there were credits. This is the second episode. Oh, no, this is the third episode. But him working upstairs, uh, be- being in the detective's bullpen and being in uniform, he just thinks there's something horrible about that. He doesn't He doesn't think he's going to be taken seriously or whatever. So what's he do? Rather than go home and change, he doesn't want to be gone from the office that long. So he goes and he rents a tuxedo, one of the most 70s tuxedos I've seen in a long time. It is a painfully 70s tuxedo mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. point to the point where it has the uh, it has the ruffles. Oh, yeah. Those it, ruffles are so it's a funny. it's a prom tuxedo, right? Like it's what you would wear to prom. Mm-hmm. All right. Like, yeah, he looks like he's going to pick up Carrie and take her. Right. Yeah. And look, it helps that Levitt's a little short guy, so it looks even funnier. Yes. Yeah. But I like that he shows up and it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. And Harris Harris just looking at him being like, Oh my God. Like what yeah. what have you done? Don't you mean good evening? <laughs> he just, it, yeah, I, I, we again we've come around on Levitt, obviously, but he's great. He's great in this episode and in the last one, especially. You know, I, I didn't mention it. There's that moment where the the three homeless guys are kind of picking over the food, and he like walks over there and grabs the Cheetos bag right. back. Yeah, it's like you son of a bitch, like <laughs> you you ass. He's just like, he's an ass, but that's okay. Like that's. That's kind of the energy that he brings. He's just kind of looking out for looking out for himself. And I guess nobody else. I know that's my perception of his character. He's just very like trying to stay in everybody else's good graces, not because he cares about them, but because he cares about how it will affect him as a character. And like that's made me that's allowed me to like him as a character as opposed to despising him as a character, because we're not really supposed to like him, I don't think. Right. I mean, he doesn't seem as Machiavellian as he did when he first came on the show where it was just that whole just sucking up to Barney like crazy. He still sucks up to Barney, but is not nearly as obsequious as it was at first. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it is still there and like yeah. no other characters really do it anymore. No, like, no. And that's the thing. Like, that's why it kind of sticks out because he, he is the one who does it and still does it. And we know that he's never going to, I don't think he ever goes into the, 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 the precinct with them. Right. He never goes in, no, right? Like that. I that, don't that, think he does. Yeah. Which is like, man, that's we're we're like in for like three more seasons of them stalling that out. In interesting. That's yeah. more interesting than than adding him to the bullpen yeah. with them, right? I kind of wonder if the joke that I thought was going to be going on with Wojo is going to happen with Levitt. Remember how Wojo kept failing his sergeant's exam mm-hmm. to become like mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. sergeant two or whatever it was. Right. I'm, I'm almost wondering if Levitt's going to keep failing out of. A detective's exam. Interesting. 
that could that could be it. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, it would make sense if they added him, but at the same time, like they can have him show up and do jokes without it, and like be right. part of the comedy. And we well, saw that. I mean, we saw that in the last two episodes. Technically, all three, even. And I wonder too, because now I'm trying to remember what Otto was saying. Because there's that other cop, the one that uh, Levitt was berating before with the big mustache. He's going to become a much bigger role, and we find out that he's gay. And so I don't see. Unless they they can't have two uniforms just hanging out up there, unless they go back and forth between him and Levitt. But I can see Ron Carey possibly maybe putting on that detective jacket. That would be something. Yeah, it would. I don't. I don't. I would be surprised if they pull the trigger. I I, I feel like the. I feel like the. Uh, the chemistry is good the way it is. Maybe they will. I don't know. Like I'm still surprised that you know they don't replace Jack Sue because we know that they don't. Right. I mean, I guess they do with Ron Carey. Like, yeah, you you could you could make that you make the case that that's what's going on here. I'm not sure right. I would necessarily agree because I feel like Jack Sue was a bigger part of the episode episodes than Ron Carey ever has been. They allowed Jack Sue to be a bigger part of the episodes than they've ever allowed Ron Carey to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And really, Jack Sue, remember when we first started talking about, I think this season, I can't remember how long Dietrich's been around now, but when Dietrich first came on, we're like, oh, his humor is very similar to Jack Sue's humor. Right. So it's almost, it was almost redundant a little bit, but they had, after a while, I think they figured out how to split those two even more, but they did tread that same dry ground sometimes. Yeah, no, you're right. You're totally right. I mean, that, that is kind of that, like the expectation of the, of what Landisburg brings is kind of the expectation of what, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of what? Yeah. 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 You're right. I mean, Landisburg yeah. was around at least through yeah. season three, right? He's You're been right. around since three, season three, so. Because he eventually took Fish's desk. Right. So he I'm was really, Fish's replacement, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, if you look at the just the layout of the bullpen, Ron Carey coming up and sitting in Nick's desk is not unheard of. No. I'd be, surpri- I'd be surprised if that's where this ends up going, given that, mm-hmm. again, I, I feel like somebody would have let that slip at some point by now. You know, mm-hmm. Richard or Otto, but maybe they they haven't. I don't know. It, it would make more sense if he's just constantly reaching for the brass ring, but unable to grab it. I don't yeah. think that's a very interesting storytelling device. But similarly to Wojohowicz, like Wojohowicz hasn't really promoted since like the second or third season of this show. Yeah. And that was like a big thing for a while that kept getting brought up over and over and over again was like, he's trying to do this exam and he's trying to get a promotion. And like, they haven't brought that up in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're doing a better job with the overarching storytelling than I would have thought they would, but there are some things that they just kind of, again, it's a product of the time when they were making this show. I mean, again, we have actors showing up as different characters, very few actors who aren't the main characters on this show show up as the same person, right? Yeah. I think we've had a handful, and one of them is the guy who's been robbed a million times. I didn't remember, um, what's the guy's name? Kip King, who is on here as the air traffic controller. He, he was actually in the Thanksgiving story last season. Um, Interesting. Yeah, he's really good here. And so I don't imagine you know about this just because this was it was a a big deal for a little bit in the very early 80s but probably 
doesn't have any sort of resonance for anybody else past like my age. Um, there was a huge thing about air traffic controllers back in the early eighties. And there was, you know, this whole thing like air traffic controllers are unstable. They're under so much pressure and yeah, they're under a ton of pressure and they tried to strike and president Reagan broke the strike. He just, you know, basically said, Nope, this isn't happening. And Took care of business. A lot of people applauded that. I personally thought it was pretty bad because they were protesting awful work conditions and he just had them all fired. So seems like overstepping a little bit. But Capitalism. I guess Capitalism. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess it is the uh, Federal Aviation uh, Association. So, yeah. What was but, that movie? Pushing Tin? Is that a movie? Yes. Yes. About air traffic controllers? Yeah. Wow. Good memory, Chris. Who, who saw it? Was that a, is that a, what is that? Not Kevin. It's Billy Bob. Thornton, yeah. It's Billy Bob and John Cusack. Very uh, similar I've... to Ice. Um, oh, God. Uh, the, the Ice uh, Bandits? No. The Ice Heist? <laughs> I can see the cover yeah, in my the two I, of I them. Did an episode. Yeah, yeah I, I know you did. I was like, I, I know. Yeah. Um, the Ice Bandits. No. no. Ice Hunt. No. The Ice Chill. Chill Limit. Chilling. Har- harvest? The Ice Harvest. Yeah, that sounds about right. Written by a friend of mine. Jeez. Wow. I'll have to make sure yeah. I edit all this. Out. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I, don't want Scott, I don't think Scott Phillips listens to this show, but just if in case, he does, <laughs> he's not going to listen to it anymore. <laughs> God. Screw you, Mike White. <laughs> I uh, I didn't know that that was a thing about air traffic controllers. Yeah. I always wondered why pushing 10 was a thing that happened, though. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of based upon upon all of that craziness that was going on and just overworking. And of course this guy is completely overworked and he's kind of like me when I would play, you know, Zelda and stuff. And I would just see the characters floating in the air in front of my eyes because he's staring at that screen so much that he sees the dots on that radar output. And uh, he does, I think he does a really good job at being unhinged in this episode. And I, especially like when he is directing the traffic of the guys in the precinct, not you, you stay there. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's really, he's really good. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I think of the three episodes, this is the best one. Cause I think all yeah. of the plot lines kind of, kind of coalesce. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And there's some really good one liners in here too. Yes. I think it's Dietrich who was, you know, going to uh, send this air traffic controller probably over to Bellevue and he wants to get him a loco motive. <laughs> <laughs> man, they love sending people to Bellevue. Oh, still, yeah. still constant. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the, the weird crossover that we have between uh, the Joker and this show is bizarre how they get this little skinny guy who looks like Joaquin Phoenix and then they like send him to Belleville and that's where he becomes the Joker at. Yeah. Just think if they had sent him to Barney, they might've fixed him. Yeah. Yeah. Barney would have been like, I'm your friend. I'm a nice person. You need to be nice to people. Instead, he went and met Todd Phillips and said, oh, go murder some people like Robert De Niro. <laughs> God. Is that what that- happens in that movie? It's, it's been so memorable that I've oh, completely yeah. forgotten it. I yeah. just remember him getting in a refrigerator and I'm like, okay, cool. All I remember is him dancing. Oh, there is that. And the, of course, the meme, the uh, I'm tired of pretending it's not meme. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What a memorable film. God, I just want to go rewatch it now. Like it's a, it's a better representation of the 70s New York than anything else I know. It's so good. 
I can't wait for the, that sequel, man. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. God. If how Linden and Max Gale were in it, I'd be excited. Can you imagine that if they were just in it as like cameos as police officers? Oh, so that would be so good. Oh. Police Commissioner Wojohowitz. Oh, oh, give me that, fucking Todd Phillips. Do right? that. Then I'll care. Make yeah. what I want. <laughs> That's the movie critic in me. Make what I want, and then I'll like it. <laughs> yeah. Max Gale is just running around out there, you know, not being used as much as he should. He's showing up on like your Magnum PI, Chicago Med, but come on, you know, get this guy in some movies here. Yeah, I don't, man, I don't know what the deal is. He was in, uh, he was in that, he was in that blackout series, that Rami Malik podcast though, which is super weird. So Mm. you'll do that podcast, but you won't do this one. All right. We see you. I mean, we don't see you. We'd like to see you. We'd like to see you. That's the shame is that the two main guys from this show are still kicking it. And they're still so invested in the industry and working constantly that they don't have time to do press about the show that made their like, like they made their bones on. Like I'm that's fucking impressive. Like we talked about Chris Lloyd in that second episode, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And him still ha- like him still working. Hal Linden and Max Gale still working, folks. Still working. Hal Linden is still working. The man was born in thirty <laughs> one. Like yeah. he has this a credit is... in twenty twenty three. Okay, like in You People, apparently that uh, Jonah Hill movie that's on Netflix. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wow, I... that's insanity. I'm, I might have to watch that. Me too, just to see Hal Linden. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I um. This just gives more weight to me wanting to start that WizKids podcast because that was a major Max Gale uh, moment there. So was it? Yeah, yeah. He was like the uh, if memory serves because it was all about teen geniuses that, of course, can hack anything. Oh, um, you wow. know, hack the planet. Yeah. Um, he's basically like their Giles or something. He's like the older mentor type guy. Interesting. Yeah. I would watch that. And he's rocking a a sweet mustache. Okay, now I would really watch that. Yeah. I think I bought the entire series off of, like, iOffer. Remember that site? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I've got it somewhere around here because I was just... I was on a real Matthew uh, Leberto kick, and I was just like, I want to watch that again. So it's probably a pandemic thing. (laughs) Right. I, I, I really, you know, joking, all joking aside, like we'd love to speak with them, but yeah, yeah. they're fucking, they're busy, man. Like, yeah, actually busy. Like, I'm not getting around about having a WizKids story. So, I mean, it's, it, it would be if I, when I take over, I'm I'm going to have a forceful takeover of the one season show, me and Begley, we're going to take it over and we're going to talk about uh, WizKids on there. Maybe gonna... I'll allow you to come back as a guest oh. host on your own show. Oh, or you can just ask and I'll be like, yeah, sure. We can do that. <laughs> That's also like an alternative. I've been begging for a dead last episode for years now so wow wow yeah okay thank god barney miller doesn't only have one season right right exactly yeah we're gonna be wrapping up this fifth season in the next episode chris gonna be talking about pewter crime graveyard shift and then jack sue a retrospective and that is gonna be really tough 
to do. Not looking forward to it. No, I am looking forward to talking about it with you. I'm looking forward. We're going to have Richard Haddam back on the show. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, Richard came on last season. Uh, kind of doing that Otto Bruno thing where he's just telling us everything that we got wrong. But, um, you know, maybe Dang. not as politely as Otto. <laughs> we're, we're wrong often, so that's it's okay. Yeah, yeah, you, that's very true. I, say, I think Otto is the one that does it meanly. Richard is oh, the he nice does? one. <laughs> oh, okay. I get my good cop, bad cop mixed up. Otto's the one with the mustache. Like, he's the bad cop. Oh, okay. He sits on the corner of the desk. He never uses the chair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's, from, he's yep. from the Northeast. Like, he, he's at that no, sh- no shit taken attitude. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine True Detective Season 4 with Richard Haddam and Otto Bruno? God. <laughs> or, you know, we put him on a buddy cop show and then we have to think of some really racist um <laughs> things to call them. So it'd be like spaghetti bender and baklava or something like that. Uh, <laughs> uh oh my god. Uh, <laughs> be, it would actually be the continuing adventures of <laughs> Ten Speed and Brown Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> the the continue oh, i'm trying to think of what auto would be it'd probably just be like <laughs> i can't even bring myself to say it it's so terrible <laughs> it's so it's so blue god that <laughs> you know what though like how about true detective season four how linden and max gale oh my god yes <laughs> i would watch i would watch that in a heartbeat then you can get all weird and fucked up and metaphysical and have these spirals in the sky. And then it would make sense for me. You know? Oh yeah. Remember that yeah. show? Oh yeah. Remember that first season when Woody Harrelson was just screwing anything that moved. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. I get what, you know what? That's a good show. I can't speak to anything else, but that first season is good. Yep. God. And this is a pretty darn good show as well so i look forward to coming back next month talking about those three episodes and until then chris what are you working on sir uh working on everything that uh, i can podcast wise and all those things can be found at weirdingwaymedia.com including this show my 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 show the culture cast my other show scary stories we tell and let's throw one more show in there the bollywood cinema club where mike uh joins me from time to time to talk about indian cinema which if you're not watching it you should be. How do I know this? Because I watch it like every week, folks, and I haven't gotten sick and tired of it yet. And hey, I must have a lot of free time because those movies are three hours. So that's what I'm doing. And you can find it all at weirdingwaymedia.com. What about you, Mike? Well, uh, kind of like you, Chris, I've got a show over at weirdingwaymedia.com. It is called The One Season Show. I'm really looking forward to <laughs> relaunching you. it with my partner, Mark Begley. Um, should be a fantastic time. I think we're going to talk about maybe Werewolf. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. We've already done uh, that one, thankfully. Oh, okay. You dodged that bullet. Is that You could do uh, Miss, you can do miss Columbo, bullet. though. Oh, boy. No, that was actually two seasons. Oh, God. Yeah. If the fact that there's one season. Or, technically, no, I would say Fish. No, Fish was wouldn't even count, would it? No, no, it would wow. not. Wow. I think uh, I'm trying to remember when Enos uh, spun off of Dukes of Hazard. I think that might have been a one season show. Well, we so. could do the, the Chano show, the, essentially the Chano spinoff show oh, from this, right? right? Yeah. East Down 65 or whatever the hell it was called. If I can find that. Hopefully it's on YouTube. God. Yeah, you can take the one season show over. It's all yours. You can all have right. it. So, Burn yeah, it yeah. to the ground. 
Check it out on uh, waitingwaymedia.com. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you for uh, the wonderful uh, music that we have every single month here uh, from John Walker. And uh, yeah, just uh, keep those great reviews coming in. Yeah, uh, We want to hear how woke we are about uh, talking about a 70s cop show. <laughs>